that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We will be sharing our experiences and all the ridiculous and hilarious truths. However, to keep the identity of the students and companies we worked for safe, we won't be mentioning any by name, and if we do, they will be changed. That being said, let's get into today's topic, non-dancers. So it's one of those things that I find super important to talk about, especially as a choreographer, um, especially as MT choreographers, which mm-hmm. me and Danielle find ourselves doing a lot of the times, you will get a cast full of dancers and then you'll have a cast of non-dancers or sometimes they're all mixed in together. So I thought it would be important, or like me, I know I'm starting a lot of schools that I teach at. I am the, well, particularly this year, I'm the first dance program that a lot of my schools have. So it's like, we're starting from scratch. Like these kids mm-hmm. don't know, like I, I try my best to use non-dancer terms but some stuff is so ingrained. Like, I don't say bend your knees ever. It's always plie. Like, I, no matter, I will be in a hip-hop class and I'll say plie. And I have to, like, remember, they don't have any point of reference for that. Mm-hmm. So, I thought it would be a good idea to do this week's episode about that. And so, the first thing I want to talk about is teaching non-dancers. And kind of just where to begin. And for me, like I just mentioned, it's vocabulary. Um... I'm not one for, I don't like handing them a sheet of paper and be like, these are the vocab terms you need to learn. I typically just start using the terms in class and then later, usually at the semester break, I'll hand them a terms. Like my tap kids, actually, I, I think I owe them a, t- I owe them a list of vocabulary terms for next week mm-hmm. because I just want them to learn it because we use terms in dance. We just use terminology so regularly that like. You have to know it. You don't have time to look at a sheet of paper to know what yeah. it is. Um, so that's kind of like the first big starting thing for me where you're teaching non-dancers. Yeah, I, I when I teach non-dancers and or my younger kids, I see that most likely don't have dance, have never taken dance before mm-hmm. because they're five and six years old. Um, we I start with vocabulary too, and I do it where I will say a word, I'll have them repeat it, I'll demonstrate what it is. Mm -hmm. If it's something like a ballet term, I will tell them what the meaning of it is. I have them repeat it back to me. I do this a lot too with my younger kids. And it is very um, surprising in a way almost how quickly they catch on, how much they know, and that they can really start speaking in dance terminology. And I think that when you put it with the movement, so when you introduce a term and show what the movement looks like, it's really easy for both... uh, like intellectual learners and more visceral learners to mm-hmm. grasp it because you're telling them the word, you're telling them what it means, and then you're also showing them and having them do it. And I think that it's a lot of, with non-dancers, it's a lot of doing because as yes. anyone who teaches dancers knows, and especially older kids, teenagers into adults, you can literally sit there and be like, I can just you bark know, stuff just out exactly them. like bark stuff know. out. And they, they can do it for you. And that is also what we see a lot of times in professional auditions. Yes. Um, yeah. But with non-dancers, no matter what the age, you are creating a sense of comfort and community and yes. Yes, um, yes, yes. safety when you kind of explain what you're going to do, tell them what the words are, show it to them, have them do it with you. Yeah, I was going to say that you actually brought up two points that I do a lot of times. The first is that like, 
doing with me. So a lot of, like I said, sometimes I'll have a class, a dance classroom with me or sometimes I'm in a normal classroom with mm -hmm. just desk out of the way and I will stand right beside them. Like, mm -hmm. do you know, use the same foot as me. Well, let's do it together. Yeah. You know, and another big thing when you talked about the different types of ways that people learn, I, it's so, I realized this today because um, I had my elementary school babies today. It's when I realized the number, the amount of different ways you can say the same thing. Yes. I will say, I will count one, two, three, four, five, or right, left, right, or bop, bop, bop. Like, I will use weird little quirky sounds, or like, I will call something, like, there's an African dance move where your foot is flexed, and both hands are reaching palm up towards your foot. Mm -hmm. And like, I was trying so hard to explain this, and then one of the boys was like, what are those? That stupid little oh, thing that I said. Yeah. That is what that move became. Oh I, oh, I totally hate it, but... Yeah. In that class, they immediately associate that African move with what are those. Yeah. So for me, it just became, as I'm calling out, and it's the what are those section. And they know what it is. It's not a problem, you know? Right. Like, So I think it's learning different ways to say the same thing or new or different ways to say the same old thing. Yes. I agree with you. It's very, very important I when it comes to you. like teaching those think, first classes. I think that even with older kids and moving into teenagers and, and young adults that are non-dancers, breaking it down, but not mm -hmm. not letting them feel like it's kind of like you're babying them, but just break it down. You know, get make a really strong movement choice, do it, have them repeat it a couple times mm -hmm. and be like, okay, now we're gonna add this onto it. Or I'll show I'll show them what what the end product is supposed to look like, and then we'll go back and we'll break it down. See, I don't. I don't show them the end product. They, I, I like going, I'll show it to them like once because this is what we're doing, but I won't usually show them until, so what I'll do is like, I'll show, show them what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We'll do it super slow, even if it's a move that I know I'm gonna speed way up, I'll mm -hmm. show it super slow. And then after like four, three or four times it's super slow, I go, up to tempo or like way beyond tempo mm -hmm. and I'll do it full out and they'll be like, ah, I'm lost. And then I'm able to go back and like, okay, let's do the pieces, building bucks, working up to that speed. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I just have to yeah, kind of like play I mean, the feel of the room. There are so many different ways to do it, but it's definitely the idea of chunking it, of chunking the movement that you want to see. Mm -hmm. Because even, I'm thinking even when I've worked, in summer socks with teenagers and young adults or even shows I've done outside of my, you know, elementary school dance teacher job with adults, with non-dancers, you know, I, they'll come up to me and they'll be like, I'm, I remember I did a show last year and I had this woman come up to me and she was in her thirties in the show and she was like, I can't do this choreography. And I was like, yes, you can. Yeah. I was like, it's really actually not hard choreography and that's not me be as a dancer being like it's not hard like it's actually yeah. not it's just fast paced yes and she was yes. like I can't do it and I said well let's let's chunk it and so we started to chunk it and I was like your foot's out your hands are up and she was able to do that over and over and once she was able to chunk mm -hmm. it by the time we opened she was fine but sometimes it's also the reassurance and being like let's oh, chunk completely. it down that's because sometimes if especially when you have theater and you have people who are dancers mixed with non-dancers doing yes. the same thing we it's very with, um, very easy for people to get intimidated uh, oklahoma so we like in oklahoma there is a dream ballet so there is an entire ballet section that i was brought into this uh middle school it was like a arts arts middle school but i was brought in to choreograph the dream ballet so like i had kids that like and it was a mixture of mt kids and dance kids 
So the dancers like take ballet four times a week, mm-hmm. you know. So and the, a lot of them have been taking it since they were little. So like a lot of these girls that like, I think I had eighth graders. So like they had just been on point for like two years, you know. So like, these are the girls that like two years, two or three years, but like they're enough where they're they're able to be on point for sections of the ballet dance. Mix in with the MT kids who are like, I have two left feet. This is yeah. never going to work. And so it was very interesting to like. So I didn't I didn't choreograph any of the I only choreographed the dream ballet and the director handled the staging for the other numbers, but like having those conversations with those non dancers being like, do not get intimidated with you know them mm-hmm. because they can kick to their nose. Yeah, they started where you did. Yeah, you know, they're just learning, so it's right foot in front of left foot. Or I know one of the boys got very upset because he kept confusing his right and his left, and I was like. The dancers do that too. Like yeah. it's, that's not all the time. That's not a new a non dancer thing. Like, that's just a human even, thing. Even with the adults, like even when I remember I had a couple adults be like, I don't know if I can do this, being like, Let's go into a separate room, mm-hmm. just the few of us who need the extra work and let's just chunk it. And it would be like, Okay, so we would do two or three moves and we would practice it over and over and then we would add the music to that. Yep. Okay, do you feel comfortable with that with the music? Great. Next, Next section. Yep. So I think definitely like you know, it's it's almost easier when the kids are younger to teach non-dancers because you're helping them develop yes. their vocabulary and their movement vocabulary as well. So it's a lot easier to be like, repeat after me, do what I do, do it with me. And, you know, but to once you start getting even into later stages of elementary school and middle school, being able to be like, with your non-dancers, let's chunk it, play, mm-hmm. do that part with the music. Okay, yeah. you got that? Now let's move on and break it down and not make it this whole big, like, you have to know everything at once. Yeah. And I'm, so let's, moving on to our next topic is auditions for Mm non-dancers. I personally love them, even though I find that they are, non-dancers are more terrified of like a movement call or a dance call than dancers are sometimes. Because they're utter, they're, they will go, I can't dance. So, you know, like, I'm not going to get cast because I can't dance. But right. Typically, I know my response is that the, the movement that I, I set for a non-dancer's movement call or dance call is going to be, again, grapevine, step touches. Like we, right. Because typically be it's like the... That I'm aware. I'm aware that yes. I'm having non-dancers come in. I'm having people that range from I can't, I have two left feet to like, I can move. But I'm not a dancer. Yes. But nine times out of ten, if it is a movement call, it is A, specified as a movement call, not a dance call. And the choreographer is not there to try to um, discourage you you or trick you. They're looking for someone to be in their show. They're looking to employ someone. So they're going to do a call that is... Grapevines, walking. And usually these calls are character actors. Right. Yeah. Usually they're character actors. That they need to be funny anyway. So my typical thing that I say for these calls is like, even if you completely blank on every move I just gave you, keep moving and make me laugh. Yes. Because again, it's an audition. I don't need perfect in the 30 seconds that I see you. I need someone that is malleable and be like, I can keep working at this. And I know I'm, I'm not here to dance. I am here to just move. And a lot of times it is just keep your, it's like, um, what's a show they're just like big huge dance numbers or they're big huge scenes where everyone needs to be on stage and mm-hmm. your character just needs to come out and keep time with everyone else right. clapping on beat and rocking and bouncing right. along you know i keep going back to like oklahoma and like the giant hoedowns that yeah. they have and stuff like that they're like no you don't need to be one of the main dancers and i 
I think that when if it comes you to that. are going into an audition and you're not a dancer and you're going to a movement call mm-hmm. to remind yourself and I hope that this reminds you that the choreographer, the director is not out to get you. Yeah. They They're literally not. are looking for people who do movement, who are non-dancers. Yes. That's why it's called a movement call. They're not expecting you to come in and do a triple pirouette and kick your face. No. They're not. No, Otherwise, not you go all. to a dance call. So reminding yourself that these calls are built for the people who are non-dancers and to go in there just with the like with the confidence that this is literally meant for somebody like me yes. and they just want to see what I can do in my personality and what I bring to the table. Yeah, and so cuz like I said it's part of the things and we're kind of segueing into this when it comes to our next topic of like movement pieces. I in particular I have fight training, I am uh, fight, combat training for like stage. I no longer have certifications because all mine have timed out. But, like, there are people that are, like, certified fight choreographers. But, like, I've had to stage, like, falls on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, falls. Accidental, you know, romantic couple bumping into each other. Like, um, the opening of the musical Thoroughly Modern Millie. Mm-hmm. Millie bumps into the character Jimmy. Like, I've staged that where she, like, trips and falls him. Or, like, there was some play. It was, like, some uh, play where, like, the girl, the guy scares the girl and she, like, flips him over her shoulder onto the sofa I've had to stay, like, choreographers will get brought in to do stuff like that. And they're technically movement or movement pieces, you know, a part of a giant musical Mm -hmm. or play. But, like, in that audition, I know that I need that person that's super clumsy. Like, um, Beauty and the Beast. LeFou doesn't really need to dance. LeFou is in a padded fat suit where he can fall all over the place. Right. But I need to see if this person is not, like... Can handle movement. Move around the stage, yeah. Exactly. So that's what I'm looking for in those calls. Yeah. But when it comes to movement pieces versus dance pieces, I think this is... Uh, first of all, I think movement pieces over dance pieces are is a real skill to choreograph well. Yes. Because um, it, uh, it makes me think about... We saw Paul Taylor mm-hmm. last year, and they had an entire piece about bugs. That the kids loved, and I wouldn't necessarily call it a dance piece. Yeah, per se. it was more of like a movement piece in terms of like, you know, there were no leaps and turns and crazy sequences. It was a yeah. lot of running around and like stop movement. So running and stopping, making a shape, running yeah. in another direction. Basically, you know, basically move, 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 pull shape, move, 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 yeah. pull shape. So like, but again, the audience, the kids absolutely loved it. I loved it. It was still very entertaining. Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, and I think that there's so Tony and I were talking about, excuse me, talking about this before. There's also the difference of creating, setting movement on a piece in musical theater. So I've done a bunch of shows, and like thirteen's coming to my mind right now, where there's a couple of numbers where they are not dance numbers, and in yeah. fact, the majority of that show. Is not a dance show. Yeah. But it is a movement heavy show. There are a lot of bigger numbers that require a bunch of movement. But no, I don't need to see you do a grand, a grand jeté. And I do not need to see yeah, you do foot days. And I do not need to see you do splits. But being able to take the storyline of a show and the script and the scene of what's happening and create movement mm-hmm. around what it is like you should be using the choreography the movement to further enhance what is being already sung or talked about on the stage at that current moment and it does take a really big skill to also not go overboard and over choreograph 
because I have personally seen shows before, Ooh. even on Broadway, yes. where I go, yep. that number is over choreographed. It's not enhancing the storyline. It's not it's so furthering busy. the There's tale. There's so much movement. What is and happening? I, I'm losing focus as yep. to what's going on. So whether the the people on stage, the performers on stage, be dancers or non-dancers, it's over choreographed. And it's yes. also really easy to trap, it's super easy to trap a cast of dancers into an over-choreographed piece. I was piece. just going to say that. But you can also trap non-dancers into oh, a yeah. super heavy piece where you're like, well, I'm going to show everyone that you guys can dance. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, you need to know, we've talked about this before, what is the difference in musical theater particularly between a dance number and a movement number. Yes, and that's use, it. And use those non-dancers to your advantage for movement numbers. Put them in it. Do handography, feetography, mm-hmm. armography. I love a good hairography. Right. In, like when you when I was thinking of over choreographing, uh, I don't think I was even in New York. I think I was in Florida, and I saw a production of Legally Blonde, and I can easily tell the one number that was done by the assistant because mm. I was friends with the choreographer, and the choreographer was very good about. We, this whole number is basically hairography. Or, yeah. like, she was very careful when to use actual dance. Yes. And when to be, like, flat, you know, a flip of the hair, you know, yeah. a tossing of the hair, a good model walk is all we need right here. And the one number that was done by the chore- that was done by the assistant was over choreographed because I'm like, there's so, like, people were doing, like, pirouettes and just... A pirouette does not come to mind when I think of Legally Blonde in general. And every time I've seen the show, there's not been a need for one. So I'm just like, why why did you choose to over, just put so much into that, like, 30 seconds right there? It just, it can become very cumbersome. And I know when you start over choreographing a movement piece, it will stress out those non-dancers, you know? They will get very concerned about, like... If I don't grab this with my right hand and I grab it with my left hand, well, what if I do this? And then the piece ends up, and then the number ends up looking messy. Yes, so it's just falling apart. Very, whether it very be quickly. dancers or non-dancers, but especially when you get those non-dancers, use them to your advantage. Do some awesome hairography and handography, yeah. and create an awesome movement piece that furthers or just enhances the current storyline that's being told. And do not worry that there are no pirouettes and fouettes in it. It is okay. Yeah, like, the musical Rent, if you're of age, there's a section where they're in the market, like, buying coats, and there's, like, several different things happening in there. And it it is organized chaos. Like, it mm-hmm. is, there is movement in that, you know, of the grabbing of the coat, the hailing of the cab. Like, there's all these little things like that. But it just, it can't be choreographed, choreographed, you know, full-on dances and stuff. It just becomes cumbersome. Yeah. Um, but now that we've kind of, like, hit on all the major marks of working with non-dancers, pros and cons of working with non-dancers. Well, I want to talk about, before we get into that, I also yeah. want to talk about, we kind of touched on this in teaching class for non-dancers, but, so we talked a lot about movement pieces in terms of musical theater and making sure you don't over-choreograph and mm-hmm. using those non-dancers to your advantage. But then also... Setting a straight dance piece on non-dancers. So whether that be a recital piece or in college, especially those like, you know, those minor dance classes in college, or you work at a school and you have a class of dancers who maybe, you know, it's, it's just not their, you know, their thing, but they Mm -hmm. still want to take dance and just, I think strategies 
to make a piece look awesome for non-dancers is something really good. You know, I always think about, especially with my younger kids or even some classes, I straight up have some classes where the same, it'll be the same grade, but one section is just stacked full of movers and dancers. It's just currently my elementary school. Yeah, it's just innately in them. And then I yep. have another class three hours later where it's not innately in them and they more of them have trouble with it. And I think that things, there are a lot of really great tools when you're dealing with those, those dancers that are movers and not yeah. dancers. And I think for one of the, go. one of the big things I would say, I would say go for is definitely like, remember your choreography basics. Not everything has to be flat on to the audience. Um, I will have a move go to the side. I will have them do bat like patterns. Um, you can look in marching band routines or cheerleading routines and see they're kind of walking formations. Yes. Those come in handy or like turning things uh, quasi, you know, to the corners or reversing it. Because um, like you said, I currently have that situation with my two fifth grade classes that I teach. My first fifth grade class, God bless them, they try real hard. But like they, they, it's, it's not a lot of... A lot of natural talent. My second fifth grade class, they just pick stuff up quickly. Like yeah. they will, they they come and you show it to them once or twice. We're like, okay, oh, cool, we got it, That's, and they're solid. Yeah. It's the same thing. It just, it just happens. Um, sometimes classes are more stacked than others, but mm -hmm. like you were saying, I think giving simple movement. Oh. My big thing too is like teach the same movement, have everyone do the same thing, then do it in a canon. Yes. Or give them a number. So, you know, so maybe yeah, it's not just like trick. a cannon, but use like the ones go at the same time and they're all scattered all over yep. the stage. Two scattered all over the stage, then they go. Have them do it in reverse. Have them do the same thing at the same time and face different directions. Yes. Those I are like easy, easy things that make a dance piece look so cool and intricate and will, let me tell you, make those non-dancers feel awesome. Yes. Whether it be five-year-olds in kindergarten or 30-year-old adults. Or 50-year-olds. I've had some. Giving them a piece that moves in canon, that moves in different, that you do the same thing in different directions, looks so, so cool and interesting to the eye, and you can give super simple choreography, because mm -hmm. when you have them doing it like that, it makes, it doesn't look like it's super simple. Or have someone go, we've done this before, and I think, I think actually I worked with you on something you choreographed on me, and a couple and a bunch of other dancers where you taught everyone a phrase and you were like, um, so this is maybe it was you, maybe it wasn't you, but I, maybe like it was. I think it was. But you were basically like, you you know, everyone learned three parts of a phrase. Oh, and then yeah. it was like, okay, Danielle and Tony are doing the X, first y, section. Yep, yep, you yep. know, like Cassandra and Anthony are doing the second section and so on. So everyone got the chance to learn it and feels comfortable. And then they know, okay, I do these three steps. I do these yes. three steps. Yes. I do, because see, and I've just, honestly, I've learned to, to do that from the, I have dancers and non-dancers. Mm. Or like you said before, those, those movement auditions, you'll have somebody that's like, I've been taking a lot of dance classes, but I wouldn't call myself a dancer in right. the movement call. And I'm like, yes. you should not be in a movement call. Right. Then There's you have that, that person that's too. like, I stumble walking down the street. You right. know, so like. There's a fine those, line. Yeah. And those varying levels are very hard to tell depending on what market you're in. Because like, a lot of people are not at the advanced level when they come to New York City. and yeah. think that, But are and advanced think they are for wherever they came from. Two or yeah. wherever they come from, you know. So. And I, I think balancing that is a is a good twist to it and I think it's doing that learning how to do it with um 
learn having everyone learn the phrase and then be like, cool, I know this certain group can't do that phrase is one way of doing it. And another big trick is tempo, teaching yes. the same, like, and this goes to, as a choreographer, I will often pick songs that have three, three or four tempos in it mm-hmm. and be like, cool, so the group that can't handle that super hard, super fast tempo, you're going to learn that same move, but you're going to do it at the beginning of the song and at the middle right. of the song that's super slow. And the group that can handle that fast gonna tempo come in when they do it are going to come in when they do it fast. And it, we talk about this all the time when I get together with the rest of um, the dance teachers that I work with throughout the elementary schools that I work for. And we talk about this all the time. How do you, how do you make movement for the kids that aren't as advanced? And mm-hmm. the, these are the little tricks where you teach them the same thing, you oh, have yeah. them do tempo changes, direction changes, count changes, and it takes a piece from being like, meh, nobody can dance, looks like shit, to, oh my God, you made these kids dance, and you make them feel so well, oh, and yeah. it doesn't stress them out. And that goes for adults too. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't stress them out, and it makes them want to work harder at that. And it's also just about knowing, like I know when I work with non-dancers that are older, Adults, you've lived lives. So there's usually a move or something mm-hmm. that I can, like, again, if I'm dealing with anyone probably 50 and up, if I say grapevine, they'll probably know what it is and be like, oh, I can't completely do it, but I have a sense of what we're doing. Right. You know, or with the elementary school kids, I do not keep up with all the ridiculous dances no. that they do, but they will show me. Yeah. And I'll be like, cool. So it's the floss or it's right. the this or it's whatever whatever ridiculous yeah you have them related back to what they already know and it's easier for them then to visualize what it should be and then process it into their own body completely so just some tricks for the trade and also like there's something really i don't know sometimes it's it's hard because i think as a choreographer who grew up as a dancer you want to work with those those dancers you want to work with those like those advanced dancers those professional dancers where you can just like throw a ton of stuff at them and be like, make my vision happy. And it's so awesome and so much fun. But there is something really awesome and special about choreographing a piece on non-dancers and making it more movement style and getting to work with these clean slates and like, what can you do? How can we put what works on your body into the dance? It makes me think of, there's a piece called Lollipop that I did for one of my residencies last year where I have like, Four girls, three girls, I had three girls that were learning dance, but like they just weren't that, they weren't that far along in their dance careers. Like they were learning as much as they can, but they still needed a piece for the concert. Mm -hmm. And I saw the bug piece by Paul Taylor and I was like, well, what if we do something movement like where it makes sense to put in, you know, twirls and turns and things like that. So I literally choreographed an entire piece about someone pulled out a piece like a giant lollipop and the person sitting the little kid beside them on the bench steals the lollipop and then this third woman comes and trusts the lollipop yeah so they're chasing after this lollipop and so them tug of warring back and forth i was able to put in extensions you know right you know twirling the lollipop above the little girl's head allowed for us to put a turn in it so that yeah it just makes me think of like you it ended up being several people's favorite because like at the like the at the end of the piece a fourth person walks through and ends up stealing the candy and all three of the girls were chasing after him. And so, one, they were laughing over the candy, trying to steal the actual candy. I picked a different person from the audience, so there's a slight audience participation. Like, But it was just all those cool little moments that, like, everyone ended up loving about the piece Mm -hmm. because it was just, like... 
I don't know. It, they could relate to it more. You know, the audience yeah. audience understood that, you know, like the facial reactions, you know, like acting while being a dancer. Which yeah. Which is a whole other episode in itself. Yeah, I mean, but, sometimes, and this is, you know, we're getting into now the pros and cons of working with non-dancers and yeah. movement style people, but... Sometimes even I've gone to dance dance concerts from professional dance companies where this, you know, even in the little snaps, it's like, this is an abstract piece. It's about the color gray. And I'm sitting there watching it like their technique is really, sometimes I love it because I'm like, ooh, the like the sequencing and the music is gorgeous. But sometimes I'm like, what in the world yeah. is happening here? Because yeah. I can't concentrate on like, even if their technique looks beautiful because I'm literally bored because I have no context to what's going on. At all. Or I'll be like, I have seen that girl stretch her toe, like stretch her foot above her ear 17 different times. Right. And nothing is changed. You know, like, right. we saw that in the first 20 minutes of the And I'm not sure dance. that I should be impressed anymore. You know, so I think, yeah, I definitely, one of the, one of the cons for me, I would say, working with beginner dancers, if, if I don't do the work, the repetition gets boring to me. That is one of the mm -hmm. cons of working with new dancers. And usually usually it's one of those, like, I have that moment where I was like, yeah, I feel like we're doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, that's my fault. I've got to Yeah. That. That's how I feel. For a con for me, and again, same thing, this is this is more of a me problem. Right, like, I see it and I have to go, ooh, I need to I, do work. If I don't truly, truly prep out for my non-dancers how I'm going to chunk choreography down to teach it to get to yeah. the end result... I end up stumbling into a rehearsal or a class being like, all right, we're going to do this. And I start getting ahead of myself, not yeah. realizing I didn't chunk in which now they feel comfortable and can get the movement and then we can move on. Yeah. And then it ends up making the piece look messy and you have to go back and it's like a whole big problem. But that again is more of a me problem, making sure I come in prepared to be like, yeah. this is my class of non-dancers or my lower, my lower babies, or this is a cast of non-dancers. And that's, Okay. And but again, pro is they are so game to try anything. Yeah, and it's so nice. I like because a, a con to the dancer, like having a group of dancers. I don't want to do that. I do it this way. I don't like. I don't. I don't normally do it that way. Like fighting that can become a hassle yeah. versus with like non dancers. I've never done any of this before, so sure, try. Yeah. You know, I because I I love getting around to girls like, oh, I take yoga all the time, but I've never danced. So I'm like, so you have all this flexibility right. that you're willing to use. Like, you, great, we're gonna do some really cool stuff. Right, and I'm like, you know, or to, for me to get a really big guy, he's like, uh, you know, it's like, have you ever lifted a girl before? It's like, yeah, uh, I don't really know what I'm doing, but sure, I'm I'm down to try right. a basket lift, you know, or yeah. pick her up and put her on my shoulder, and everyone is just the willingness and openness of non-dancers to try new things, I feel like we lose sometimes. When I agree, dancers. I agree. And then also, I, I had a friend choreograph um, at a regional, regional theater, I think it was? I don't know. I think it's regional theater. Yeah. I'm not really sure of the classification. And um, another woman was in the show, and she was one of the leads, and the choreographer set a piece and I'm not even sure what it was supposed to be, but say they were supposed to do something with their left foot. And the, the, actor, the actor kept doing something with her right foot. And so the choreographer, my friend, she kind of kept letting it go, being like, maybe it was a mistake. They're going to fix it. They're a professional. Yeah. And then it finally got to the point that during one session of notes, she had to tell the actor, you're doing it on the wrong foot and you need to change it because you haven't been changing it. 
And the actor was like, well, wouldn't it just be better if I did it on this foot? I feel more comfortable doing it on that foot. And the choreographer was like, so here's the thing. That's not what I choreograph, though. And I choreograph something specifically for a reason, on a foot for a reason, to look a certain way, to help the whole ensemble. So it doesn't matter if you're the lead or not. You need to be a professional and work with me on this. And I feel like a lot of times, dancers, that happens to dancers because it's like, but I can do the double, the triple pirouette. But I can I can do the oh aerial. God. So <laughs> I'm going to do the aerial. And sometimes it's like when I, you have a cast of non-dancers behind you, it honestly doesn't look good if you try to do that triple pirouette or whatever. It doesn't make well, you look good. Well, first of all, I say go back and listen to episode 17. I actually looked at episode 17. Take the fucking note. Your yeah, choreographer I mean, knows what they're doing. Too, yeah. But, like, take the note. That aside, you're not in it. And that what irritates me about that particular situation, because I am I'm always that dancer of, like, if you, you can always double the amount of pirouettes you're doing. But, again, that's for fun and playing around. Right. But if a choreographer is like, I don't need triples right there, it could simply be because it visually it doesn't look right. Yeah. Musically, doesn't the, fit the choreographer could already have to talk with the MD, be, with the MD or the conductor, being like, "Yeah, the tempos are going to be twenty times faster. The right. orchestra's just learning the music right now." So the choreographer knows, "Oh yeah, this is not going to be any. This is all going to be different right. when we get to the week before the show." So no, there's no time for a triple. I don't have time to clean it up. Stick with a nice clean single or a nice clean double. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like you definitely what we just said. You definitely get more of that with dancers who are like, I can do this yeah. though, or like I'm gonna make this work. And non-dancers are way more willing to be like, sure, whatever you tell me to do, I'm gonna do because I trust you and you're my choreographer and I'm learning. Whether it be in a professional show and you're in rehearsals or you're in, in class, class, you're literally being like, I'm learning from you and I'm trying to learn as much as I can to make myself better. And that's another pro for me. Those non-dancers, they're starting out, they're learning. Yeah. And the, I remember my college professor, I actually asked her, cause she taught, uh, so my professors rotated who taught um, Modern One, which like we didn't even have every semester. It was like every other semester. But Modern One, which I never even took, but Modern One was always like, the minor, it was like you know, yeah. like it, was a, it was a lot of minors. It was a lot of non-dancers that just wanted that needed an art credit that yeah. wanted to dance. You know, a lot of the guys got forced in by their girlfriends to take it or whatever. And I asked her, I was like, "Well, what's your favorite?" Because that particular semester, that professor had Modern One and Modern Four. Mm-hmm. You know, and Modern Four is the kids that are like aud- right. seniors getting ready to audition for mo- companies. You know, and I was like, "Which do you prefer more?" And she was like, "I honestly prefer." The beginners, because their growth, you see so much more growth in a and short amount is, of time. And so nice. Seeing the growth is literally such a what, pro. It, it's, you know, it's one of the things that, like, at the end of the day, no matter how frustrating of a day I'm having, when I see the growth of, like, my kids just get it or master a move mm-hmm. or come back to class the next day. And they were frustrated the day before because they couldn't get something we learned. They went home and practiced. And now they're like, Miss Calandro, look what I can do. Like, yes. that's when I'm reminded, like, this is why I do this job every day, and this yes. is why I wanted to go into teaching. And this is why I'm this tired. Because yeah, all the time. There's, I mean, I'll save this moment for my shout-out. But, like, yeah, it's one of those things of, like, that that joy of just knowing that you that they've accomplished something, and you took part of that, yeah. is a really big pro for me. I agree. I do think, you know, one of the cons is time. 
that it is yes. harder with non-dancers. It, it's yes, going to yes, take yes. more time, and sometimes a job doesn't allow you to have the time you wish you had. So that can be frustrating for choreographers and for the non-dancers because sometimes a choreographer is like, we got to move, move, move. And even if the movement's simple, they're like, we got to keep going and I don't have time. To go back. To go back. So I do think that that's a con. But that's I have, also, yeah. you know, that's something that, again, if you can get the cast or the, the students and the dancers who are just willing to work with you and try and do whatever you say, that's going to outweigh the time con. Oh, yeah. And that's one of those things, like, I would definitely, I mean, we did a whole episode about time last week because I can't help but agree that, like, time is definitely a con because when I can rattle out, a, you know, a dance phrase that I know we're going to repeat a billion times, I don't have to waste time doing it, you know? Right. You can't do that with non-dancers. Right. Um, and my, the con for me, which Daniel kind of hit on before, but it's definitely, like, it's more of a con for me, not so much on the non-dancers. I have to prepare yeah. For a non-dancer class. You know, and it sounds so crazy to not, to be like, you have to prepare for all your classes. Or you would almost think you don't have to prepare as much right. for the non-dancer. It'd be easy. No, but uh, like I said, as someone that is a freelance choreographer and dance teacher, my brain is a billion different places. Yeah. Literally today when my elementary school kids were getting on me for looking tired, I literally had to ask them the name of their principal, who is my boss, by the way. But I, I answer to like five different principals right now. Yeah. So I had to ask them the name of their principal because I needed to ask her a question about our show. And I was just like, it all blurs together. Or like, I'll walk into the room and be like, hey, what's the name of your dance? Because yeah. I don't remember what song we're using. You yeah. know, like, so when I have a group of dancers, they're going to remember absolutely everything. Yeah. They're going to remember their songs. They're going to remember their dance. They're going to remember their moves. They're going to remember where we left off. They're going to remember yep. how I phrased the eight counts. And that's super nice. When it's non-dancers, it is a total toss-up how much they're going to yeah. remember. And that all falls back on me. And so it's very hard to have a stressful week and be like, cool, yeah, I can still teach that class. And then I walk in and I go, you've prepared nothing Oh, this is and going... they're looking at you and waiting for you. Right. There is no there is no one there that can take that initiative. Yeah. And again, totally my own fault. But it is it is definitely a struggle. I mean to say I said it earlier, it's something I struggle with as well, and I think it's a very common thing for dance teachers and choreographers to deal with is the you have to be extra prepared for those oh, yeah. non dance classes. But I will say dancer classes. An overall thing when it comes to non dancers keep going and I think you I think our jobs as dance teachers and choreographers is never to deter anyone from dancing no it's that like because again we never we people we never know what lies ahead for people particularly when we're teaching young dancers like mm -hmm. I know again you never know if you're that person that that first ballet teacher that they remember or that choreographer for that one show they did in summer, you know, mm -hmm. that summer at camp. You never know what's going to stick with someone. And you, again, everyone has to start somewhere. And I think it's, it's just our job to encourage and make them feel as comfortable as possible. Even if it is, you know, only a random after school dance for the first time, you know, for mom and dad. Yeah. Mom and dad will love it. Someone will love it. Yes. So I think it's just important to... Take, take just as much care with non-dancers as we do with dancers. I agree. So that being said, let's move right along to I'm sorry what. My I'm sorry what moment. Uh, sorry, this segment is all about the crazy and ridiculous moments that me and Danielle have as dance teachers and choreographers here in the city. I forgot to intro it. I don't think I've introed it in a while, but that's what we do in this section. 
Um, so I am in the midst of three tech weeks right now at multiple different places. Um, Tuesday, and also at family visiting in town, which is why our episode's late. But uh, Tuesday, I went to the wrong school. <laughs> so I left my high school and I show, went to my middle school and I walked in. I'm not, like, everyone in the front office is so used to me being there. It was like, hey, hey, hey. You know, and I went on and I started walking upstairs and I was like, something doesn't feel right. And then my boss, the principal, comes out of the office. She's like, did you schedule an extra rehearsal I didn't know about? And I was like, is today not... Thursday she goes today's Tuesday and I go oh well I'm gonna go home and she yeah. just busted out laughing but it was it was I feel like there was something, something about this past Tuesday because I literally left work being like oh my gosh it's Thursday tomorrow's Friday I can do this <laughs> and someone was like Danielle it is Tuesday and I was like well I don't know how I'm gonna get through the rest of the week like, I, I yeah. don't know. It's just, it's all blurring into one. Yeah. You know, I am, like, I was telling Tony that I just, I'm just exhausted all the time. I have one more show to do. It's tomorrow. And then I'm like, we can do smooth sailing for a week before Christmas break. But it's, it's been nope. exhausting. Yeah, I am, I am down to the wire. All of my shows are next week. So I'm banking on, like getting enough sleep this weekend to get me through yeah. the last week before Christmas break. So, yeah. Um, moving right along to shout outs. So, um, when I post a few weeks ago, I've been, like, I've been posting on the PYT Instagram uh, videos of my tap kids that I've, like, they finally got to the point where they're doing stuff. And um, old dance teacher of mine called me, actually. I haven't talked to her in years, but she called me. She's like, I'm following, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, thanks. She's like, do you see his face on the Instagram? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like the surprise on his face that he was able to keep up with you the entire time. Uh, and I was like, no, I haven't really looked, but like his face, like his mouth is wide open being like, I've got this. And, you know, I was telling Danielle before we hopped on air that just like him and a couple other students are like in this competition of like every week I teach them a move and they come back and they have it perfect the next week or they, you know, they've gotten further along, you know, because it'll be like, um, we finally got to time steps and it's like, cool, we're learning time steps. And then they'll be like, I want to learn the next thing. I was like, well, you got to go faster or you need to clean up this sound in the time mm-hmm. step, you know? So like seeing that or like we're getting to the point where they, they can adjust tempo. Like I just have to shout this, this group of kids out because when I started with them in October, they'd never tap danced before, you know? So we spent the first couple of classes getting them all in shoes you know, getting all into the right sizes and like learning what a falap is, learning what a shuffle is and to see how far they come and to be ready for a performance next week. I'm very, very like, very, very proud of how far they've come in such a short time. Yeah. I have the same type of thing. I want to shout out um, my, some of my students. I'm about to put, I will post a video of what they've worked on today. Um, on our Instagram after this we're done recording so definitely check it out I've been working with a group of third grade girls there's eight of them and I see them you know during the normal school day but then I see them every week once a week for two hours after school of straight dance and we I decided that I wanted to submit a piece for something moving forward for a festival and um, that I wanted to create a new one and so I 
told the girls about it. I said what it was going to be about. I also said they could we would they would get to perform it in February as well, regardless if it gets accepted into the festival. Mm-hmm. And they learned a new piece, which is a very contemporary modern piece, which is not really usually what we do in class. Yeah. In less than six hours, we did it over the course of three weeks, and it's only Wednesdays, so that's three days, two hours, and honestly, the past besides this this past week. The two weeks prior to that, we had also still been rehearsing for their show. Yeah. So it's been less than six hours they were able to learn this piece, which is, you know, a little over two minutes, which is a decent chunk of time. Especially for elementary, yeah. And I'm just super proud of what they've been able to do. So I just want to shout them out and um, take a look at our Instagram for the video and take a look at them because they've been working super hard. So, yeah. yeah, I also want to take this time to say thank you guys for, like, loving and sharing and supporting the videos of the kids that we post. Like, there's, it's always usually very nice stuff that we see, and that's I appreciate that, that there's never any drama when it comes to our kids, because we love them. Yes. Well, that being said, the curtain has closed in this episode, but we hope that you will join us next week. And every week after that. We want to say a special thank you to our listeners. Our numbers keep growing, and that's all thanks to you episodes normally come out every Tuesday. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play Music are perfect places to do that. You can find us on Facebook at Point Your Toes. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Point PYT. You can email us at PYTNYC29 at gmail.com. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Neil Colangelo. See you next week. Um, Point your toes, the adventures of an NYC dance teacher.